0: W-H-T-T And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Chuck Carlson. I'm your host tonight for We Hold
1: These Truths Speaks Out, filling in for Tom Compton, who normally does this. And Tom is a guest tonight who will be telling us about an event that was just pulled off here in Phoenix, Arizona. This report tonight is about We Hold These Truths Vigil, That we held, and uh, by the way, this is something like the 240th or 250th vigil. We've really lost count over the years. But this one was at the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting, at which some thousands of participants come from all over the country. And this is the second time that We Hold These Truths has held a vigil at this national conference of the Southern Baptist Convention. First time being in 208, if my memory is correct, and we had an excellent report to give tonight about the success that we had in meeting and greeting these people, and in some respects, challenging them. So, we're going to ask them to give their account of what happened, and we'll start with Tom Compton. Tom, tell us what how, how you saw uh, the convention and how people responded to our message, and What message we presented to them?
2: Well, I think first we need to back up because, as Chuck mentioned, we've had over 200 of these vigils all around the country. And the first vigil that we conducted was here in the Phoenix area at the First Southern Baptist Church of Scottsdale. Now, that was in November of 2002, several months before the Second Gulf War against Iraq was started in March of 2003. And until recently, I didn't understand why this particular church was chosen. Why did we pick on a Southern Baptist church? And so I want Chuck to tell us what prompted him to choose a Southern Baptist church in the first place. So we held up signs like, choose life, not war blessed are the peacemakers, who would Jesus bomb to ask the people inside uh, these questions? And, of course, many people inside had no clue why we were out there. But, Chuck, could you just explain a little bit on your thought
1: process and
2: what was the
1: trigger point, if you will? Okay, Tom, Uh, sure. Prior to this time, I was a deacon in the Southern Baptist Convention Church in Colorado and had been for many years. And I was well aware of the positions of the Southern Baptist Church on many issues. And during the years of 1990 and 1991, the Southern Baptist Convention began to take a very pro-war position. In other words, they were backing the then-pending First Gulf War, which began in 1991. And, of course, later on took a much more vocal position. So when we started We Hold These Truths, it was natural for us to pick a Southern Baptist church to go to, Tom. And we picked the first Southern Baptist of Scottsdale, Arizona, because it was a very well-established, uptown, posh church in a wonderful neighborhood. And we held our first vigil there, and we had a fairly large turnout for them. And, And the subject of our effort was Choose Life, Not War just as it is today. So this is why, Tom, we started with the Southern Baptist Church is because of the long history of the Southern Baptists of being pro-life in terms of the life of unborn children, but having this strange contradictory position where they could find the justification for wars that took the lives of eventually millions of people. And in one of the articles that we wrote for the current convention, we pointed out that the Southern Baptist Convention was losing members very rapidly at the rate of about 200,000 a year, and that's about the same number of people in our wars have killed uh, each year. So,
2: Yes, well, there's some irony, and, and I wanted to point out to people that one of the main motivating factors for choosing the Southern Baptist was this so-called land letter formulated by Richard Land, who was the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptists. This is a national policy uh, commission. They're basically a lobbying group in Washington, D.C. And that letter, that was signed by a number of prominent evangelicals, including Bill Bright of Campus Crusade, Chuck Colson of Prison Ministry, d. james kennedy of Coral Ridge ministries very well known throughout the evangelical world this letter was sent to george bush president at the time in 2002 that if he went to war against iraq and saddam hussein it would be a just war by their interpretation of the bible and chuck carlson understood that it would not be a just war and of course, time has told how unjust the war was. The suffering that has been experienced by both Muslims and Christians in Iraq has it's just been, and it's multiplied to other places, Syria, Libya, it is literally blood on our hands. And so one of the people that was visiting that church back in 2002 came out to talk with us, and it turns out this Gentleman was of like minded, he was interested in what we were doing. Well, we received a notice from him a month or so ago about the Southern Baptist coming back to town. So, we were very interested to conduct another vigil here to challenge the Southern Baptist. And so, by coincidence, I think more than just coincidence, we noted they had events going on around the convention. And uh, one of those events was a, a sermon that was delivered by Dr. Russell Moore, who is the successor to Richard Land at this Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. And so he was speaking at the very same First Southern Baptist Church of Scottsdale. And so we decided to go there, and we had prepared for this particular vigil Two different flyers. One was entitled Choose Life, Not War, and it was directed at the delegates, they call them messengers, uh, to the Southern Baptist Convention's annual meeting. It went over a number of things, and uh, we'll discuss a little bit more the revel- relevance of Dr. Moore because he's caused a stir in the uh, Southern Baptist membership, and uh, there are people that are for him typically speaking, it's more the younger people that are uh, supporting what he's doing because part of the the controversy is the fact that he was questioning and and uh, challenging some of uh, what uh, Donald Trump was saying and of course, this angered a lot of the uh, the old guard of the Southern Baptist Church eighty one percent of the evangelicals voted for Republicans and including Donald Trump and so we actually got to meet Dr. Moore at this church and presented him with our two flyers. The other flyer was a flyer composed by Craig that uh, asked the question, does the Bible require followers of Jesus to support the Jewish state of Israel? And then a subtitle is, be a Berean, referring to Acts chapter 1711, do your own research. So we're asking people not to necessarily trust us, but to to look at the the Bible, and so you've got these church members who are reading their Bibles as followers of Jesus regularly, and so we're asking them to to look at what the Bible has to say on these issues, because during this vigil many times we would ask our litmus question here at at we hold these truths, which is, do you believe that the modern state of Israel is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy, and so. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that as we go on here. So anyway, we presented the two flyers to Dr. Moore, and then we also presented our video, Christian Zionism, the Tragedy and Turning. And after his very excellent sermon, we went up and congratulated him, and we asked him that he would watch our video and that we would hope that the Baptists would be part of the turning. And uh, what we t- refer to uh, as the turning is the turning away from the um, theology, if you will, the, the misguided theology of Christian Zionism, which is an oxymoron as far as the term. There's are two incompatible things. Zionism is a political philosophy married to Christianity, and, and it has become a religion of Christian Zionism. So we went to the uh, convention center here in Phoenix, Arizona to greet the messengers, delegates to the Southern Baptist Convention, and we had just a kaleidoscope of uh, interactions with people from very favorable, and we got a number of messages very loud and clear that it's a conglomeration of churches and the churches act independently. So you've got the big body at, uh, at the top that makes the policies and so forth, and, and so what people at the bottom are more concerned about issues like uh, do we have an altar call uh, at the end of our services and things like that. They're looking more at the theological things that address. But we saw from the interaction and passing out flyers with people, for example, we were getting people to take our flyers by saying we're looking for a few good pro-life Baptists. Well, the Baptists, for the most part, are pro-life. They're for life, and they're against abortion. But on the other hand, as Chuck has mentioned here, they seem to be very war-willing. In fact, we had a couple people that said, oh, we're pro-life, but we're for war. And uh, of course, that may mean defense, but our wars have not been defensive here. They've been very offensive to anybody that has looked at this with any... uh, clarity. We were lied to about the weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And and um, so many tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have died because of our actions, even in the millions and the number of homeless and displaced is literally blood on our hands. But we were able to hand out a, a large number of flyers and had a number of interactions. I even flagged down a a former Sunday school teacher that at my church who wasn't a Baptist, who is now a professor at a Baptist seminary. And we had some really interesting encounters, even some people that were just passing by to interact with us. And Craig will kind of talk about some of these things. And so it was very worthwhile from our standpoint. There was another uh, demonstration group there, the LGBT people, and, you know, we didn't get in each other's way, and and so, you know, it was a very peaceful demonstration, and so we were able to engage people and hold up our signs, and so I want to turn over to Craig and talk about his experiences, Craig. Great. Thanks,
3: Tom. First thing I want to say that anybody that I talked to told them what I was doing, they said, why in the world would you want to go to Phoenix, Arizona in June? And so, uh, from a from a California boy, I, 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 and <laughs> you know, I kept uh, hearing from Tom, "Oh, it's a dry heat. It's, it's a it's a dry <laughs> heat." Well, the dry heat of 102 is still is still warm. Also, I want to say that right up from the get go, we met with the police when we got there on Monday, the day before the convention, and that was really good because they got to see us, we got to see them, uh, familiar faces, and had uh, even told a couple jokes that they laughed at. So it was a fun interaction and they realized, okay, you know, these people aren't going to be crazy. And it worked out fine. So when we when we got there on Tuesday, we already had some familiar faces and they, they set the parameters up and that, that worked out fine. Tom already went over um, our signs. The one that uh, seemed to get a lot of attention is No More Wars for Israel, showing uh, a young youth uh, throwing rocks at a, at a tank coming down a street. That definitely got a lot of attention and less of other peacemakers. Choose life, not war. We talked about that, and I think we passed out. Oh, Tom, what is? What do you think? Uh, four hundred flyers, three fifty, four hundred flyers. What, do you, what was? Yeah, easily.
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, the as far as being able to interact with people, it's probably the best one, as far as quantity and interaction with people that we've had in over you know the fourteen plus years that we've been doing these vigils. So it was. It, people seem to be ripe, actually, and uh, we got. You know, so many different uh, responses that it was very
3: encouraging
2: to see that there is a range of belief in the Southern right. Baptist.
3: Yeah, and that's, I think, probably the biggest thing we can take away is that the Baptists are not monolithic in their belief structure. And like Chuck mentioned about the land letter and really be able to show that the Southern Baptist Convention really has taken a pro-war stance throughout their, their recent history anyway. And as as we encountered people they learned more about the Southern Baptist Convention, and we we learned uh, things, too. So it was kind of a give, give and take back and forth. Typically, you know, we heard these lines that are just over and over again. We have the love for the Jewish people, and then uh, Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East. Those lines get said over and over again. But when I asked people to, could they prove to me that the Jewish people today who call themselves Jews are directly related to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses and all that, they recognize that there's no way that they could prove it. I want to go over some of the encounters, just about three that really stuck out for me. There was a, a gentleman named Lawrence and, and his, his friend that uh, I, was, I was holding my, the signs up, and they came over, and there was definitely a lot of questions, like why? Obviously, this is a Christian group, and who would Jesus bomb? But why is a Christian group outside of a Southern Baptist Christian convention? And it was, there was a kind of a disconnect there. And so definitely a lot of people would come over and say, like, you know, why, why are you guys here? So Lawrence and his friend came over, and they were asking me questions, and I started talking to them. And uh, Lawrence was pretty good. His friend was definitely getting more agitated as they talked about Israel not being a fulfillment of biblical prophecy because that was definitely uh, close and very near and dear to his heart. Well, they, they went away after a good, good discussion. And then on Wednesday, uh, Lawrence came back. And we we talked some more. He gave me some of history history, and we we talked about things. And he said that the night before, that he and his friend had had dinner, taken our literature, and they were going over it at dinner. And his friend goes, wow, these guys are right. He realized that we weren't not cases, that we are looking at Scripture, and this is a scriptural position, a very biblical position that we hold. And so that was really good. It also was interesting, last year, the Illinois Baptist Association tried to pass a resolution at the convention, but on the state level, they actually passed a resolution to pray for and for the Southern Baptists to support the Palestinians. And that resolution got voted down at the National Convention last year. And, you know, it had such, uh, let me see, I think I've actually got it here. Resolve the messengers of the, the IBSA, which is the Illinois. Baptist Association, encourage all members of Southern Baptist churches to partner with churches ministering to the physical, social, and spiritual needs of the Palestinian children and be it further resolved that all members of Southern Baptist churches are encouraged to stand in solidarity with the Palestinian church and those who have surrendered to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and accepted God's offer of a pardon. And it goes on. So here was a resolution to support the Palestinian church, and in, in Illinois. Illinois State passed it. It went to the national meeting, which is last year's version of what we were at, and it got voted down. It didn't it didn't come out of committee. Well, uh, the author of that Illinois bill, an, author, uh, an attorney named Bruce Kugler, you know, he came up and we had a great great dialogue with him. And his goal is to get more than just one state. He would like obviously like to get all 50 states to have a resolution to support Palestinian Christians uh, for next year's gathering in Dallas, Dallas, Texas. So that, that was a good exchange with him. Uh, also, uh, I'm, when I was doing a, some research on the Southern Baptist uh, Convention, finding what the positions were on, on Zionism and so forth, I came across a uh, uh, September 26, 2012 article from the uh, ELRC, that's that, that uh, Ethics and Religi- Religious Liberty Commission. That's kind of the policy, public policy arm of the Southern Baptist and it was written by then uh, vice president of the, the uh, Washington D.C. Uh, ElrC, a gentleman named Barrett Duke. Well, this year Barrett Duke was the head of the resolution committee, and he was he was bringing the resolutions forward. And so I had, I had read his article, pulled it off the website, uh, found what he what he said in oh, his article was I I support Israel, and he, it's a it's a big long piece on why he supports Israel underneath the ELRC uh, banner. So I'd read that, and uh, pretty much I, I, I'd started deconstructing it because it's just full of uh, gaping uh, inconsistencies and so forth. So i looked at that, and interesting thing here with the convention, it was live streamed. So uh, we could be out there on the street, and I had my, my phone in my pocket, and I could be listening uh, and uh, watching what was going on at the convention center inside. So I got to see a lot of the action going on. Well, anyway, uh, Tom's, Tom got tired of uh, uh, passing out tracks and uh, the, the flyers, and so he came over and picked up my sign, so I, I went over and I started passing out the flyers. And uh, lo and behold, Barrett Duke uh, walks by, and I'd seen him in, the, um, on the, in his article, which is 2012, five years ago. I think we all looked better five years ago, but anyway – uh, by watching the live stream, I was able to see what he looks like today. And he was walking by, and I said, "Mr. Duke." So I, 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 he stopped, and I, I started talking to him. And I said, you know, I said, I, you know, pointed to our signs and said, "This is, this is who we are." And uh, I give him, give him the flyer, and I said, you know, I read your article on I support Israel, and I said, you know, frankly, I'm sure you, you would understand that I don't, I, I don't agree with most of it, and but I did tell him. That it's been really interesting being here and sharing experiences with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And when I told him that uh, I had read his article, he was, you know, like, kind of, oh, you know, these people, they don't, they don't agree with me. They've, they've, they've done their research. They're, they're brothers and sisters in Christ. It was just kind of this, you know, what do we do with these people? And it was very cordial. And uh, you know, he he went on his way. So uh, I've got his email. And so after I finish this article, I'll be sending it you know, to him course, uh, for uh, his review. Then this one young man, uh, he, was, he, was, he was really fun, uh, his name Brandon, and he's got uh, hope for hipsters is kind of his thing and is trying to reach out. And so it was fun to get a younger perspective on that. As far as the interviews go, a young man from Tennessee named Chad came up and, and wanted to know, like, what are we about? And he's like, what do these signs mean? And so he was one who didn't believe that Israel was a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Again, we see that non-monolithic view of that.
2: Thanks, Craig, for that report. I want to ask Patty, who was there holding signs, could you just give us a couple thoughts? You were observing people. I think this was really interesting, Patty, your observations, because we were trying to be busy engaging people and talking to them, but you were you know, holding the signs there. And you did engage a number of people. In fact, she even got attacked by one gentleman who we think had some issues. But could you just give some general comments, Patty?
4: Sure. What I realized after a while was the first day and in the morning, we kind of started out with the signs that just had words on them. There were no graphics. And at some point, out it was when we came back from, from lunch, we changed out some of the signs. And so and those were ones with graphics. And then I really started reading faces. I wanted to gauge their emotional response because, well, a lot of them just would not look at the signs. And, in fact, some of them just put their heads down. It was almost in in shame. But the ones who did, and especially you have to understand, there were quite a few families there. There were people in their 30s and 40s, fairly young mothers with children, some of them very young in strollers, and they looked at the signs, and I could see the pain and the the confusion on their faces, and they looked horrified because somehow it was getting to them.
0: Because that,
2: for example, the uh, "Choose Life, Not War" on the bottom there was a picture of a
4: child. little girl. Yes. And, you know, unless you're a sociopath, yeah, that's got to tug at you a little bit. And what I told them was, you know, I'm glad that you're here so that you can see our signs, you can hear their message, and then you can go to the book of Acts and compare.
2: Great, thank you. We ran to a gamut of beliefs, and I would ask our question again. And I asked it of a, a fairly young man from Mississippi. And he without hesitation, said no. He didn't believe that the modern state of Israel was a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. But he had said that two years before, the president of the state Baptist organization for Mississippi had delivered an address, and the address was entitled Why I Am a Christian Zionist and Why You Should Be. And so I asked him the, the question, do you see any turning away from, from this kind of thing. And he did. And so that's where we got some hope, and we are thinking, well, maybe the Baptists, this is a sign of the turning. We've seen the turning away from Christian Zionists in a lot of the mainline churches like the Methodists and Presbyterians, Church of Christ, and that type of thing. And so maybe with this Southern Baptist, which is about 15 million members. I think when you were a member back in the 90s, they were like over 20 million, weren't they, Chuck?
1: The number was a lot higher. They've lost the membership for nine years in a row, and it was a concern even then. Yes, and the Southern Baptists are losing. And our little flyer that we passed out challenged them and suggested that if they accepted policies that made sense and would make sense to Jesus, they wouldn't be losing their youth. That was basically a message we we tried to give them as uh, in our in the flyer we pass out to them. We hope they listen to it.
2: Yeah, we'll include a link to the uh, the actual flyers that we handed out. And just quoting from Chuck's article quote and how do you reverse the stampede of your youth leaving the SBC as recently discussed in the Atlantic? You need to give your youth causes they can understand. No logically minded teenager can understand pro life and in the same breath, pro-war. A war-willing message from the pulpit is the ultimate selective racism that has been the Southern Baptist position for many years. No wonder you're losing your youth. So that's pretty powerful. And we had one lady came back and said she didn't agree with it and put the paper back on the ground. So it's very interesting that what we saw there was eye-opening for us, and we hope it was eye-opening and thought-provoking for those people that were attending and they did see our signs and those who didn't like that we were there. And we even had people thank us for being there, you know. So it was most gratifying from the experience. It was a traumatic experience to do this. And uh, who wants to challenge their their fellow Christians?
1: I have a word to add, and that is uh, to our listeners. If you have churches that you feel are advocating war, that, that they need to have this message, Contact us uh, through the contact information on our website. Let us know that you want to do a vigil in your city or town, and uh, we can explain how to do it, and we've done a lot of them, and we can steer you on how to do these. Of course, you're talking to three experts tonight, but uh, we found out that uh, we can do these with just a handful of people, almost anywhere, and there's always gratification that comes from them.
2: Yeah, thanks, Chuckin. Craig is a great example. He found us through a number of things. We won't go into his story, but you can actually uh, you can listen to his story on one of our podcasts, Confessions of a Former Christian Zionist. It's an amazing testimony. But he actually contacted us and said he wanted to do a vigil, and, and we helped him get it started. And he even conducted a couple, at least a couple, two or three vigils by himself. And so, you know, it can be done, and churches need to be challenged. Patty had a thought here.
4: Oh, I, I just say that it seems like we talk so much about what we're against, but I made it clear when I talked to people that this is not our opinion. The Bible is God's opinion. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I had some people say, well, we'll just have to agree to disagree. And I, I said, no, that isn't what it's about. And it, it, it isn't about ego, the land letter. He said that it was their opinion that the war was, was a righteous war. Who cares about their opinion? We care about God's opinion. That's who we stand for. We're against the war, but we stand on the Bible.
1: Thank you, Patty. Great finishing line. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for
2: listening to our report here. It's been exhausting two days for us here in Arizona in the heat, and we feel it was really worth it. We had, like we mentioned earlier, Some other people joined us. One fellow, actually, that lives in the Phoenix area had watched our film, the tragedy attorney, and contacted Chuck, and he actually showed up on Wednesday morning, the second day, and we had good dialogues with him. So it's not a a mass protest. You don't have to have a lot of people there because they know you're there, and if you have a handout, that makes it even better because they can – Have something to look at and think about, and that's the only thing we can ask is that people consider what we're saying, because we're, as Patty said, we're not there to uh, boast our ego or anything like that. We're we're out looking to uh, be uh, witnesses that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace, and we should reflect that his principles to love your neighbor as yourself, even love your enemy, and and we see these inconsistencies among the the christians today and and so we want to challenge christians with these notions of choose life not war blessed are the peacemakers and i forgot to mention the uh, the uh, excellent slogan that patty came up with where are the peacemakers that's what we want to know we don't see evangelical churches praying for peace uh they basically tacitly approve these wars where we know there's a very high percentage
0: of the casualties are civilian. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free